Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Good morning, beloved Genesis community. Our second scripture reading this morning is uh, from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, book 25, chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Uh, the parable of the ten virgins. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us, your, give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hi, Genesis. It's so good to see everybody. I miss you guys. I miss you guys in person. Before we dive into the text, I feel like it's really important. We've had kind of a crazy week with highs and lows. And I think we need to just kind of address that first as a community. Um, this has been one of the most bitterly divisive elections ever. And I feel like the narrative of the media would say that there are two separate parties battling it out for one winner. For me, I have to say this has been a hard week to hear the language that is dividing and divisive. And I'm reminded again that more than ever, we need to learn how to be with one another and our differences. We need to listen to one another. We need to not assume about one another. And I feel like there's an invitation here, just like in the text that we're gonna get into in a few minutes, to not turn away from the tensions we might feel, but instead remember, like we do every week at the Eucharist table, that this is a, there is a place at this table 
for everyone, for all of us. Um, to quote Bishop Loya of the Episcopal Church here in Minnesota, he says, the future will depend on whether we are willing to commit ourselves to Jesus's way of love, this fierce and singular passion of love, which has the power to mend our fractures. And Genesis, I think we just have a challenge ahead of us to heal our hurting and divided communities, our families, and our own minds around political things. Because 2020 is, it has been, and it will continue to be a challenging year. But I think there's a deeper invitation for us all to walk in the way of love with one another and for one another. So with that, I think we'll dive into today's text. Thank you, Bob, for reading. Um, I have to say it's been quite the week, you guys, quite the week. <laughs> but this text here, and we are gonna use the word um, virgin, I'm just gonna say that for parents here, we're gonna use that word and that language. And I think as we get into it, you'll understand more why. And I think it could create some wonderful, fun opportunity for conversations with our kids, with our kiddos in this. Um, but first I have to give you just a little bit of a context that I actually wasn't even, when I was going through the scriptures and some of the things that I've read, in some of the commentators, one of the things I found was that was really interesting is they were describing the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament for where women were, how women in the Jewish culture were treated. Because in ancient Israel, women were actually freely, if you look in the Old Testament, they, they owned real estate. They, did manual labor. They played music in the temples. They were judges, prophets, and leaders. And while they weren't liber liberated to the levels of what we would consider by today's standards, ancient Israel actually did have what would have been considered progressive view of women within the Jewish culture, because women had freedom to move about and go places. Um, and so they were treated with an, a level of what would be they would deem valuable. By the New Testament, by this first century AD, the social condition of women in that century had been radically altered for the Jewish people. And um, it was very different than what their ancient sisters had experienced. So by the time Jesus is speaking in this text right here, the role of women, ha women had drastically changed for the worst. And in theory, women, were, while it says women were held in high regard by the Jewish society, in reality, they were categorized as Gentiles, as minorities, as deaf mutes, as dogs. I mean, they literally were considered undesirables. So customarily, women were only allowed to be out in public for four reasons. And I think this is significant in the fact that in this text, Jesus is speaking in this parable and comparing the kingdom of heaven. And he's using, he's comparing the kingdom of heaven to 10 virgins. But in reality, women weren't allowed to be out in public unless they were visiting their relatives, attending a temple sermon for a funeral or a wedding. So right here, Jesus uses language that says um, he's speaking in a parable and he's comparing the kingdom of heaven to 10 virgins. I mean, like I, my first question is kind of like, a, what does this imply? But um, the people wanted power. They were coming to Jesus because they wanted him to give them something. And the people wanted a show of strength, and yet here Jesus uses 10 virgins to uh, quake the, and compare the kingdom of heaven. So I am curious, and this is our first all play question, 
What do you think of when you hear the term virgin? Ooh, Dan's taking a drink. <laughs> what do you think of when you think of it, when you hear the term virgin? I think my mom is watching and I'm not gonna discuss this, thank you. <laughs> Young, I have to turn my glasses on. That card I signed at youth group in high school, purity. Someone who hasn't had sex. Purity rings, untouched and untouchable. Mary, okay, so those are all things. Okay, so one of the things that I think personally, I have to say is I don't think of like strength and strategy. And Jesus is, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven and the people he's talking to are desperately in need of a change. But I think of vulnerability, yes, I do think of uh, purity in the sense of, um, I think that's what we've been led to believe in so many ways, yes. But I think there's an innocence, there's a curiosity. And I also think, when I think, use, I'm using the term virgin, I'm thinking of an eagerness. There's kind of like this eagerness of, wow, you're entering into something new. This is like never been here before. And so I feel like there needs to be a story. So one of my favorite things ever in the whole world would be the mountains. They move me emotionally. Um, if you ever go to the mountains with me, you will see me pause and tears. Normally cry, I cry when I see them, but the mountains have been a place of healing for me. They have challenged me physically when I climb and they have also offered me rest and they have held me in some of the deepest, darkest moments of my life. They are a part of what I would consider heaven right here on earth. They are, there's just something about them that does something to me. Well, a number of years ago, I was taking a friend of mine, somebody I love very deeply to the mountains. And as we were driving up and on this really um, windy slope, oh, windy road, um, she just casually says out of just who she is, she says, you know, I'm a virgin in regards to the mountains. And I remember in that moment, kind of having my breath taken away, it kind of upended the terminology of virgin for me. And something in me, I started to get excited. I was thrilled to get to invite her into this experience of something I treasured. I got to honor her innocence. She didn't even realize that she would be out of breath walking up and down stairs. Um, I got to actually, remind her that, you know, in a gentle way to be able to say, okay, when we go hiking, you have to take more water with you than you think you need. I, I got to be with her when she experienced her very first sunset in the mountains, which to me is like the sun just nestles down into the mountains and then shoots its light back up. And it creates this cacophony of color in the sky that just, you have to pause and notice it. And it is like unreal. And then the, and I also got to teach her about schnapps and hot chocolate with whipped cream, pretty awesome. But I think the lens through which we view the word virgin will impact how we read this parable. And I also think the lens through which we view this parable will influence how we view and receive the bridegroom's invitation and the bridegroom's response to the virgins. So my second all play that I kind of feel like we have to in unpacking this is what does oil represent in scripture? 
let's think about what oil was in that day and age. What did it represent? Anointment, fuel, value, blessing, wealth, luxury. Yeah, all those things, light. It did actually re uh, represent light, choosing, anointing, healing. Yes, um, you know, it actually, the, all those things, it represents all those things. And the passage, what I think is interesting here is the passage calls five of the virgins wise and five foolish because of who took the oil, extra oil and stuff like that. In this culture where Jesus is comparing the kingdom of heaven to 10 virgins, do you notice that both the wise and the foolish represent the kingdom of heaven? Wait, what? Are you kidding me? Like, okay, I want us to think about this. What might this mean? Like, okay, here's an all play. What might the wise and the foolish be representing about the kingdom of heaven? Yeah, I know, Rick wants to know what five means. Inclusivity. inclusivity, that we're all equal in God's heart. Yeah. You know, I have to admit, I wanna jump on the bandwagon of being the wise one. You don't need a secret knowledge to get the, oh, it's off my screen. Oh, shoot, 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 to get, oh, to get there, right. We're all wise and foolish at some point. Oh, Rebecca, 100% we are. Isn't there something about wisdom confounding the wise and the foolish ones are the ones who really get it? Ooh, Steve, I think you should preach a sermon on that. Do some realize their poverty and the need for oil and some do not? Oh, this is so good. Being able to experience things in different but equal ways, knowledge versus experiencing it. Ooh, Peyton, yeah. You know, it's so interesting when I first started reading this and I was, and because in the story I told, you know, I kind of got to be the bridegroom in that story. I kind of got to be the bridegroom. I got to invite my friend into something. I got to be there with her. I got to do all of that. And so I have to admit, I want to jump on the bandwagon of we need to be wise. Yes, we need to be wise and we don't need to be foolish. But the reality is, is guess what? The truth is I'm often the foolish one. You know what? I forget to ask questions. I make assumptions. And you know, I can even use words that are divisive. And I think about this political system we're in right now and everything that's going on. More than anything, I get defensive sometimes. And when I get defensive, what happens is I shut down the opportunity for there to be any back and forth. So, I have to acknowledge that I can sometimes be the wise one. I can sometimes be the foolish one, but somewhere deep inside of there, you guys, there is something beautiful about all of it belongs. And one of the things I wonder about is in this, I wonder if those wise virgins that took the extra oil were wise because of, as Peyton said, their experience. 
they knew to bring more because the truth is maybe in some ways they are they recognize they were in, being invited to a celebration and they know that sometimes just from life experience that things don't always go the way you think they're going to go so they were prepared but what if the foolish ones aren't actually ignoring the opportunity but they don't even know the opportunity to ask questions i think the good news here is both make up the kingdom of heaven but with very different experiences this week as i've been sitting with this text and remembering the ways i've viewed this passage in the past i was taught with a basis of fear now um yeah be prepared the boy scout motto to be prepared yep right bob but i was taught this passage i mean utter fear it was like went something like this keep watch because if you miss the bridegroom, you're totally out of luck. You will forever be the foolish one, game over. You miss it, you never get to go to heaven. And if you look at the passage at the end, guess what? When the foolish ones went back and they got more oil and they came back and they knocked on the door, the bridegroom actually opened the door. And all he says there is he says, I don't know you. And my wondering is, I'm wondering if that was the invitation. I don't know you, but the door was open to them. So I don't think we have to live in this in fear. Yes, that's totally how I understand it, Steve says. You better be ready because you never know when Jesus is coming again. Um, I actually think that we don't know when Jesus is coming again. There's so many things we don't know but I don't think we need to be scared that the door will be closed to us. Because even in this one, the ones who had to go back and get something, that knock, the bridegroom opened the door. As I've sat with this text um, this week and kept remembering this time with my friend and I realized that she actually gave me a gift in the language she used. She was a virgin to the mountains, but it was, she knew she didn't know something and her life experience had taught her to pause and notice her vulnerability her anticipation and to honor her innocence there i mean she had an innocence in this and i think that the extra oil that my friend brought and this is my invitation to us is i think can we bring our curiosity to these places can we bring our curiosity can we actually bring our vulnerability and our eagerness to learn and basically realize wisdom can be not knowing? It's, it's like there's an invitation here. So I wonder if this passage is an opportunity for us to be open to noticing a few things. And my invitation to you, Genesis, um, all are invited to the celebration and all are invited to come and bring their light as it is and what if this passage isn't a declaration about who's in and who's out and which side wins and another side doesn't but instead instead it's an invitation to not miss out on real life in real time and to not miss heaven here on earth
which returns me to our sweet community here at Genesis. Over the years, we've each found our way to this community with various pathways, but we all have something in common. We have a leader who has vulnerably invited us to bring our real, raw, and vulnerable lives together. And he turns 50 today. He's never asked us to all agree on everything. He's never asked us not to see one another. And he's never asked us to all be on the same page. And for that, Steve, we wanna say thank you. For those of you that have created signs and would like to hold them up for Steve, I'd invite you to do that now. And for those of you that maybe didn't, and what you'd like to do is you'd like to actually, in the message column, write a couple words about just Steve. I'd invite you to do that right now. Because Steve, milestones are meant to be celebrated. And 50 is something to celebrate. And what you've helped create here at Genesis is a little piece of heaven on earth. And it doesn't mean that heaven isn't without little conflict. It means that we choose to keep coming back to see one another, be with one another, honor one another, and love one another. So Steve, I'm going to ask you to, oh, you're typing something right now. I want you to sit back and I want you to um, just receive this video. Um, so Steve and Genesis community, on behalf of Genesis community, we want to say thank you for inviting us to explore heaven on earth with one another, for one another. And because of one another, we get to experience the expansiveness of who God is in each other by the light of our lives that we bring and share with one another. Endings are a place where life is Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any questions or would, or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.